Welcome to the Live Greater View, a financial planning podcast produced by VLP Financial Advisors that discusses life, money, and perspective. We help clients live their best life at every stage through our VLP Live Greater partnership process. Thank you for tuning in. All right, so today we've got a great topic, Medicare, one that's often a lot on people's minds. And, and one of the most challenging scenarios we see when clients turn that age is trying to figure out how Medicare works. So today we have joining us Emily O'Halloran from MP Group, um, who's a great professional that we work with locally in the area. And all over the country you have access to do stuff. So Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, MP Group, and then we'll dive into Medicare, eligibility, enrollment, and beyond. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I always love talking about Medicare. You guys know that. So MP Group, we are a um, group of independent Medicare insurance agents with a focus on Medicare education and enrollment services. And so while we are located here in the D.C. metro area, we serve 36 states now and really growing because the vision is that we want to come alongside people and help them understand Medicare better before they make any decisions. And then as time goes on, as they're revisiting all of their decisions and life changes, we're there to help it um, just make more sense and make good choices. And I love what you said, which I think is absolutely 100% about your group, is the education part. You, you guys do a great job. It's it's really just helping people understand what their options are. Yeah, and when clients, you know, obviously this will come up in conversation with planning, and we feel so comfortable having your group there as a resource to us. Medicare is one of those things where there's so many rules, they're consistently changing. Obviously, it's high stakes when you talk about healthcare and money. It's just so nice to have somebody who that's all they do and that's what they specialize in. So, um, you know, we've had nothing but great client feedback for your team. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. We just, we do really enjoy helping people save money and make good informed decisions so it's 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 fun great so why don't we kick it off what is medicare so let's start there so that's something that most people do not become familiar with until they approach their enrollment and yeah. you know you hear about it and you see the medicare for all bumper stickers and it's like what what is that so medicare is our federal health insurance for seniors 65 and older but also some other eligible individuals who will be under 65 and that's for everyone regardless of income so this is something that eventually unless something changes we all will be on medicare at some point in the united states and some of the backstory you know it started in the late 60s there's been a couple of changes but the historical aspect can you just talk about that a little bit we just always think that's interesting you know how how what did we have before and how we got here right so that that's a, a really fraught question because so many of the things about our culture that necessitated the establishment of Medicare have changed over time. If you think about we're coming up on you know, that 60-year time frame where how people get health care, what's considered health care or what's considered medically necessary has changed over the years. But Medicare is a set of laws, and if you think about how there's a lot that goes into changing those laws. And so often what has happened is instead of saying, okay, we're gonna completely scrap it, redo it and start over, which would have been a really good idea at some point, (laughs) instead it's just been layered. And over the years, these changes have led to something that most people just don't even recognize when they compare it to the types of insurance they've had the rest of their lives. And so the fact that it's so brand new and confusing and there are so many potential pitfalls 
you know, it really becomes overwhelming to people as they approach that age 65 general eligibility date. Right, and that leads us to your really, you know, our next point here. So when we're in our financial planning software, we're working with clients that are trying to map out, you know, the next uh, three to five years of working and then ultimately retirement. Obviously, age 65 is that big line in the sand where they see that on the horizon and this topic comes to the forefront. So let's just talk about who's eligible, things to be aware of as we, you know, get get, get to that age. Sure. So when you turn 65 and you have achieved the right number of credits in your social security um, eligibility status, so it's going to be uh, 40 quarters or 10 years, and people will have eligibility also based on their spouse or a former or deceased spouse as well. So as you approach that eligibility, you have um, other things to consider. Are you or your spouse still working? If you are, is it a large enough company? Does that company provide employer group coverage? And so if you are turning 65 and you are going to still be on a large employer group health plan, we like to explain to our clients, well, now you're in the driver's seat. So you get to say, what's more affordable? What do I like more? Do I really like my company's plan? Mm -hmm. Is it easy to use? Am I used to it? Um, is my company paying the majority of the monthly premium? And if so, that's probably gonna be more affordable and you're gonna to wanna to stay on that plan and postpone your Medicare enrollment. Um, not everyone can do that. People who don't have a large employer group health plan at 65 must go on Medicare and not everyone understands that. So we'll have people stay on an exchange plan or just a, a, some kind of private insurance. Or even insurance. Cobra. Cobra <clears throat> is a real problem. Yep. Uh, people assume that because they're still on what they consider their employer plan, mm -hmm. that it's the same as being on the employer plan as the employee, and it's absolutely not. So COBRA um, is not creditable for Medicare after age 65, meaning if you are on it and you um, are over 65, you need to talk to someone fast. What do they define as small employer plan? So in this case, when we're talking about just your um, requirement to enroll in Medicare, they're looking at um, employers of under 20. So, um, so you know, there's going to be a lot of people with small practices or just, you know, working on their own, but maybe they have a couple of employees or family members on a plan who don't realize that they do need a pivot over to Medicare. And we want to be sure we're talking to them. So, and ultimately, we want to talk to people as they approach 65 regardless so that we can assess what their coverage is, teach them about their options, give them maybe you would call it like a, a wellness check, like mm -hmm. in terms of what their coverage is, like you're good, you can stay, don't worry. And because there are so many downsides to missing your enrollment window for Medicare, people are always panicked about it. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Do you promise? I promise you're not gonna have a late enrollment penalty. Your coverage is good. Call me when you retire. So it's helpful to have that conversation and be reassured that someone's coverage is good at age 65 and they can postpone Medicare. Right. And in conversations with clients that are, you know, leading up to this age, occasionally they'll have done some research on their own. They'll, uh, you know, go down the rabbit hole that's, you know, on the internet and look at, you know, different things as it relates to Medicare. And they're kind of grabbing information from here or there and they come up with these different assumptions. Yes. Uh, we've had a really great experience with your team and that you actually start everybody from, hey, here's 
point A and here's where you start. And then you kind of, you know, help navigate them through all of these different options that they have. So I thought it would be good for us to kind of just start, um, you know, and talk about that starting point and then walk through kind of what a typical assessment uh, process looks like for a client who's turning 65. Sure. And that's so great to hear because we do spend so much time having that same initial conversation. Let's take a step back and let's talk about how this works and how these different parts come together. Because if you don't understand that, you're right, you're going to be hung up in the things that you've read or the things that your peers have said, and you can walk away with some misconceptions pretty easily. So what is referred to as original Medicare. So that's the social security term for part A and part B. That's the foundation of everything. So all of your choices start there, you get that first, and then from there, that's where the different types of private insurance come in. We categorize that into two different major options. The first option is you keep Medicare. So literally the federal government is your primary insurance. You keep Medicare A and B, as your primary insurance, and then you want to add a secondary insurance because with just Medicare A and B, there are unlimited out-of-pocket costs. There's no annual maximum, there's no lifetime maximum, and one of the most dangerous unlimited costs is the coinsurance on Part B, which is 20%. So you can imagine if you've ever looked at an EOB and seen a surgery and you've seen where the cost of that surgery was $200,000. Yep. No one wants to be responsible for that 20%. Yeah. So that's one of the, the things that adding a secondary insurance, a Medicare supplement mm -hmm. does, is it's going to fill in those gaps. That's why they're called Medigap plans informally, but Medicare supplements are what Medigap plans are. Let's talk about what A covers and what B covers. I think that would be great to, to define. Sure. So <clears throat> part A is called hospital coverage. Um, the better way to think of it is that it's inpatient care. So you might be admitted to the hospital, but you might also be admitted to skilled nursing, which can be in a facility or even home, or admitted to home care or admitted to hospice. So that's like admission is kind of the standard. Um, the emergency room is located at the hospital, but that's not part A. So part B, and this, this bugs me, they call part B medical insurance. I feel like when I'm at the hospital, that too is medical. So the better way to think of Part B is outpatient. So Part A is inpatient, Part B is outpatient. So over those many decades now since Medicare began, so many things that used to be inpatient care, we do outpatient now. Right. Yep. Major surgeries um, and other procedures, uh, chemotherapy and radiation and things that have massive you know, cost to them are going to fall under Part B now. So we have we've seen a shift culturally where more healthcare does fall under outpatient care. Wow, great point. Yeah, it has changed drastically over the over the years. So the foundation, like you just said, is A and B, and mm -hmm. then you know from there, there's the supplemental side or the advantage side. So those two pieces, the supplemental and advantage, that's really what we see all of the advertisements for and a lot of the you know different things that are covered in, in the media can you just speak to mm -hmm. some of the common things that you know clients might see either on tv or you know online uh, as it relates to those two two pieces absolutely so going back to those two options so option one was you keep a and b as your primary insurance mm -hmm. and you add the medicare supplement the medigap as your secondary option two is um, the medicare advantage program and so that is what um, 
So you have plans that are offered by private insurance companies that are going to be replacing all of your Medicare benefits. So when you enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan, you still have to pay for Part B, and we haven't really talked about costs yet, but Part B does have a monthly cost. But you're basically transferring your coverage from the federal government to a private insurance company. When you enroll in that plan, you can't have you can't pull out your Medicare card and use that at a doctor's office. You have to work within the parameters of that plan. Now, those are going to be managed care plans. And typically, originally, we saw a lot more HMOs. We're seeing more PPOs these days. And the difference there is that with an HMO, you won't have coverage out of that plan's network. And with a PPO, now Medicare Advantage PPOs, you can use any doctor that takes Medicare outside of the network. But it's a little more complicated than that. So these managed care plans are replacing your Medicare benefits. And there are some pros and cons. So there's going to be trade-offs like um, ease of use will be potentially more challenging. You might have more requirements for referrals or prior authorizations for treatments and services that otherwise would have just been automatic under Original Medicare. Um, the difference in who you can see on Original Medicare, over 96% of all healthcare providers in the country take Original Medicare A and B. Wow. So you don't have a network or one way I describe it is your network is as big as almost every doctor in the country. That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, on the Advantage plans, though, you do have a network, and you're really going to want to focus on uh, staying within that network in order to minimize your out-of-pocket costs, which are going to be higher on that side. So uh, supplemental and Advantage, so we, we, you know, we've had a good um, conversation about you know, the basics of those, what are some of the factors that go into choosing which one of those makes the most sense? Sure. So it has a lot to do with your uh, preference for fixed monthly payments. So on the Medicare supplement side, you're going to be paying a, a monthly premium to that insurance company and having a very minimum out-of-pocket responsibility for your health care. So you can have a year where you go to the doctor twice. Cool. You're going to spend X number of dollars. For the same number of dollars, you could have a year where you're in and out of the hospital six times and rehab and surgery, but your payments, premiums to that Medicare supplement insurance company are what are dictating what you're going to spend that year. So it's very stable. Um, you're going to be committed to more out-of-pocket for that Medicare supplement, but it's insurance. You're hoping that you don't get your money's worth out of it. Right. On the Medicare Advantage side, this is often what will attract people to these plans. You'll see very low monthly premiums, mm -hmm. even premium-free mm -hmm. plans. Um, and of course, you mentioned the commercials. These are the plans that, because they're offered by these private insurance companies that are paid by Medicare to cover Medicare members on behalf of Medicare, they are rolling out the red carpet. We have all of the things that you want, and they're really going to push those low premiums some now you'll see the give back where they'll say we're going to pay part of your part b as well because you can't get lower than zero so how do you get lower than zero we're going to give you something um so though you're really looking at what you prefer in terms of cost you prefer to be committed to a higher monthly amount knowing that your health care could be minimal or a lot more than that and your costs will be the same or are you comfortable with having a low or no monthly premium but then in those plans you're going to be paying as you use health care so you'll have potentially a deductible you'll have co-pays you'll have co-insurance up to a maximum so that's your protection that's really important but you could have 
very high expenses in a year where your healthcare needs are higher. So you're looking at what your budget priorities are, what your healthcare needs are. I'll have a lot of people say that they want an Advantage plan because they know they're going to save money because they're healthy. They don't take any medications and they're now they're healthy now. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and you know that's that's great. I mean, that's to be congratulated. Sometimes it's luck and sometimes it's hard work, but it's also something that can change any day for any of us. So that's a great point. Let's talk about you select an advantage plan. Yes. You're now not so healthy. <laughs> Things have yeah. changed. Now you're, you want to go to Medigap policy. What's your issue? Okay. Oh my goodness. This is one of my top priorities to talk about today and with everyone that we work with because one of the most common misconceptions about these two choices, having a supplement with original Medicare versus Medicare Advantage, and especially this time of year when we're talking to so many people, even people we've worked with, you know, we've done our best education, but it's easy to forget the details. People will say, oh, it's open enrollment. It's annual enrollment. I just, I'm going to look at other Medicare supplements. And I have to remind people, Medicare supplements are not a part of the annual enrollment period. They are not something that open up to everyone regardless of your health status once a year. You have a very fixed period of time to enroll in a Medicare supplement and it is defined by your first six months of having Medicare Part B. Now there's a handful of extenuating circumstances apart from that. They're called guaranteed issue rights and they vary from state to state, um, but they're extremely limited and I think one of the biggest mistakes that people can make is having this misunderstanding, assuming that they can just get a Medicare supplement anytime. Because outside of that first six months on Part B, generally speaking, it's going to be a medically underwritten application. We're going to ask all the health Mm. questions. They're going to get your permission to run your records, see all your prescriptions, talk to your doctors, and we are seeing underwriting become um, a little bit more difficult in recent years. And it's very possible that you would no longer be eligible for a Medicare supplement once you have kind of gotten out of that window of time. So most people just are not aware of that or forget that. And we want people to never make that mistake. We don't want anyone to see, um, we, we don't want to see anyone lose their access to future insurability or to misunderstand the long-term ramifications of this. Which is great reason why doing this planning before yes. you hit age 65 really makes a lot of sense. Even if you decide that you don't need it because you're with a big employer still, yeah. it, but you're getting you're getting the pieces in place for when it is time to understand what your options are. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. And um, naturally, in our you know financial planning process, we'll obviously map out with clients things that they spend money on normally for everyday expenses, and then a big component of other things that we talk about are travel. Yeah. Uh, a lot of clients have a separate budget for travel throughout the year, um, so I thought that would be good for us to unpack you know the different coverage um, you know impacts and how that you know impacts travel and things that people should keep on their mind. Yes. So first. Referring to travel outside of the United States, um, there's a very hard and fast rule that Medicare A and B does not cover anyone outside of the United States, period. Literally, the only exception is you get hurt at the border and the closest hospital is in Canada or Mexico, going to the closest hospital will be covered. But that, like, one second. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, other than that, you are not covered by Medicare A and B outside of the United States. So. Um, if you have A and B and you have a supplement, when you travel outside the U.S., you'll have 
um, a few certain plans will give you some coverage for overseas emergencies. Um, now we're starting to see some Medicare Advantage plans will cover overseas emergencies. So it's limited and what we usually tell people is if you're concerned about coverage outside of the U.S., definitely want to look at trip insurance. So you shop for a, um, a plan that covers whatever level of health needs you might want for the location you're visiting and the amount of time that you're going oh, to be gone. Great. So you nice. know, we tell people to do that because other than what I just referenced outside of the U.S., you're on your own. Yeah. Um, the inside the U.S. situation is uh, a little bit easier to address. So if you have A and B and a supplement, you again, you have access to every doctor that takes Medicare around the country, and you don't need referrals. So you don't have to reach out to your primary care specialist to get a referral to see a pulmonologist if you get sick when you're visiting your you know, daughter and her kids in California. So it's very easy to use. The Advantage plans, if it's a PPO, you're gonna have coverage outside of the network. Now that's, I mentioned earlier, it's not always all it's cracked up to be. You might have to pay the, the provider and then submit for reimbursement and be responsible for some difference in the um, amount paid but you are going to have coverage with any Medicare Advantage plan for emergencies and urgent care. That's just not always what you're going to need. So I had a conversation just this morning with a woman who had an HMO Medicare Advantage plan and she's in Florida but she was visiting family in Connecticut and she thought she maybe had you know something that needed to be addressed and she said I'm not going out of network I'm not going to go to the doctor and she didn't and she got worse and so Today we are talking about a PPO. <laughs> so, um, right. Yeah, so it does make a difference who you can see and for what reason. You know, you don't always want to be limited to, is this an emergency? Is this urgent? Or am I going to wind up paying this bill? It's nice to be able to just call Go. a doctor and say, do you take Medicare? Yeah, that's our biggest concern is, you know, especially when it comes to your health. And, and when you're older is you don't want to be making medical decisions based on the fact that your policy might be out of network That's right. because it could it could be very costly. That's right. Absolutely. Not even just money, but to your, your health your and health. to you, period. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, as far as other common questions that you've been getting recently, um, something that's grabbed a lot of headlines is some of these weight loss drugs. It seems like that's becoming a bigger component of the overall healthcare industry. I know from the investment standpoint, that's having a big trickle down effect on different companies and different parts of that industry. Um, has that really changed anything as it relates to Medicare or, or where are things at as far as uh, Medicare with those drugs now? So that ties into what I describe as the Wild West of Medicare, which mm -hmm. is Medicare Part D. Part D. So, <laughs> so think D for drugs, and that's the part that we haven't totally mentioned. So if someone has A and B in a supplement, they will also need a separate standalone Part D plan. If they have an Advantage plan, Part D benefits are typically built into that plan. Um, but I say it's the Wild West because it is – crazy what you can pay, the difference in what you can pay for the same medication at the same pharmacy, depending on what plan you have, depending on where you are in the coverage stages that Medicare has for all Part D plans. Mm -hmm. That's where that infamous donut, donut hole. hole comes in. And it, the when you understand the coverage stages and why they exist, it's like, okay, that makes sense. It's protecting everyone, the consumer, the manufacturers, the insurance companies, it's so complicated that the impact on the Medicare member is, I paid one amount in January, now I'm gonna go pick up my medications in April, 
and it's like walking up to the counter and just waiting to hear what you're going to pay because it could be three times as much it could be Even half more. as much maybe you met your deductible and now it goes down in july you're gonna maybe be in the donut hole and this is all dependent on the plan and what the medications are imagine how the consumer feels getting to the counter to pick up their medications and having no idea what number they're going to be paying that day i've actually had this conversation with a client who said they weren't um they needed an inhaler they've got you know, really bad yeah, asthma just, and breathing. Yeah. And uh, it was November and, and she was just going to make her last inhaler till the end of the year work because she didn't, she was hit the donut hole. So I had to have a conversation of, no, we need to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take money out of the portfolio. But these are real conversations we see mm-hmm. if they haven't planned or thought through or haven't done the due diligence to, and maybe we'll talk about this, is to actually go through their drugs and the plans to see where they're tiered. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the things like the weight loss drugs and, you know, any medication that you see on TV, if you see it on TV, there's a big price tag and that is going to make the variability of the cost, um, it's going to be outrageous. You know, it could be, um, one amount on one plan and a completely different number on another. Um, those, those are an example of that. Inhalers are another example. And this time of year, we're spending so much time just trying to re-educate our current clients and educate new clients on how all of this works and what to expect. And, you know, if you have a deductible, we'll have people say, I went to pick up my medication and it was going to be $600, so I didn't pick it up and I didn't take it the rest of the year. No, that was the deductible. It was going to go down to, you know, 120 for three months after that. Um, So... We do spend a lot of time, especially this time of year, taking the client's medication information and using the search tools to map out what plan is going to have the lowest total cost. So you have to factor in everything, Mm -hmm. the monthly premium, the out-of-pocket on the medications, the deductible if there is one, and we map it all out, try to explain to them, you know, this is your total cost for the year, but it's not always going to be the same amount each Mm -hmm. month. And hopefully help them understand and prepare for it, like you said. But not only is it difficult one time, it's difficult every year because what changes from one year to the next can be almost everything. And again, talking to people right now about next year, I have people saying, why did my premium go up 61%? It's basically not the same plan. About the right. about the things that are in common from 23 to 24 are the name of the plan. And sometimes that's not always true. So you have to look at this every single year. And as new medications become available and they become hot, like those weight loss mm-hmm. injectables, um, that will impact how, what the plans do for the next year and what they cover. and. Um, you know, how they uh, set up their, their co-pays and co-insurance. So it's something that you really have to stay on your toes. And if, if it's not something that you understand, work with someone who can explain it and at least get you in the lowest total cost. Yeah, absolutely. Plan. Great, great advice. Yeah, and, you know, as far as cost, I know that that's something that we really try to take into account when we're working with clients, how much money we distribute from a portfolio to make sure that we don't go above certain brackets and you know we know that there's a two-year look back period can you just talk about some of the common pitfalls around that and just things that clients should be aware of outside of the fact of just don't you know have a income that jumps to an extreme level uh in your you know 60s 
Yeah, sixties or seventies or eighties. Yep. So so the the term is IRMA. I know you guys know it at least as well as I do. So those are the income related monthly adjustment amounts. And when people are working with financial advisors, they're, you know, generally prepared for that. Um, so I hate to have the conversation though when people come to me from someone else and I'm the first one to explain. <laughs> yes, Medicare is means tested. Oh, you sold so. all that Apple. You sold that stock, and oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. So it's sometimes a shock for people. But what's going on with those charges is that. That's the means-tested side of Medicare, and uh, we were looking at about three years ago, about 5% of people on Medicare were paying those charges. We're up to 8% now. As Medicare grows, meaning like the population of Americans that are on Medicare, because we are trending in that direction, it's over 10,000 people um, a day now turning 65, but that number is growing with fewer people working and mm-hmm. paying into Social Security, Medicare for covering everyone. So we're going to probably see those brackets, potentially, I shouldn't say probably, potentially we'll see those brackets lower um, or just um, the percentages that people pay when people are paying those means-tested amounts, those IRMA charges are something that are determined every year for the rest of your life that you're on Medicare. So you do have to be aware that they're always looking at your modified adjusted gross income from two calendar years previous and making adjustments over time. And there are ways to have a redetermination on what you pay, but we've seen people in their 90s who have big jumps in what they pay for Medicare based on changes in their income. So it's definitely something to, again, stay on top of. Who knew there was so much work in retirement? Yeah, we see that a lot. I mean, we do spend a lot of time planning with clients, especially when you get to a period where they didn't have requirement distributions and they do, and all of a sudden they're coming back and going, well, now my Medicare is so, my coverage is so much more expensive and you know, we try to have that conversation and do other things. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, we're in the middle of uh, this year's annual enrollment period. So I thought it would be good for us to talk about some of the potential changes for 2024 and just get your thoughts on that. So the most significant change that's occurring in 2024 is a change to those coverage stages I mentioned under Part D. So up until the end of 2023, you know, we've always had this um, 5% coinsurance that someone would pay when they got to catastrophic coverage. So someone might have an extremely expensive, just as an example, like an oral chemotherapy or immunotherapy, where they would have such a high cost of the medication they're filling, they would go right into catastrophic coverage the first time they filled it in January. Now they're still paying 5% on that high cost medication all year long. And that causes out-of-pocket costs, you know, in excess of, we've seen numbers as high as the Personally, I've seen numbers as high as $33,000. And so recent legislation um, has addressed that. And in 2024, there's now a 0% coinsurance when a Medicare member reaches catastrophic coverage. So that's going to mean that people who are taking those life-saving medications that have a really high cost are going to be able to afford them. So their costs will be, it's you know not easy math, but around $3,300 a year when maybe they were spending over you know, 12, 15,000 a year. So that's a good change. So that's a huge change, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And then we are looking at potentially, or um, it's been planned that we'll have an out-of-pocket maximum on Part D for the first time in 2025. So next year, this time, will be really interesting trying to figure out Part D costs and how that's all going to happen, getting to that out-of-pocket maximum. Interesting. Great. 
Yep. And, you know, I know that you've been getting swamped with emails and phone calls of, um, you know, clients trying to get their coverage in order for next year. And there has to be some sort of commonality with some of the questions that they're asking or things that are on our mind. So, you know, we thought that it would be good just to talk about what you think the top three, you know, misconceptions are when it comes to Medicare. Oh, yeah, for sure. So and in the commercials that are out this time of year make everyone think about Medicare. Mm-hmm. And the what I think are the top three misconceptions are all tied to cost in one way or another. So I feel like um, the most surprising is how many variables go into what your Medicare costs. And that's something that um, people get overwhelmed by. And so something like that might draw someone to an all-in-one plan. But it's something that they want to do under advisement and should really be careful about that yeah and then I think the second one is falls into the category of annoying which is what Medicare doesn't cover and we think like why does Medicare not cover dental that's a part of your health yeah it wasn't considered a part of your health 60 years ago or glasses or hearing aids and then I think um, the third is what's the most perilous and the most perilous is that Medicare doesn't cover long-term care yeah and that's something that can sneak up on people and you know we're always grateful and happy for people to know that they understand that and are planning um, appropriately for that because Medicare is not um, is not the solution for custodial long-term care when people get older. Great. Well, a lot to unpack, as as we know, and this has been fabulous. I mean, it's been great. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand the difference between, you know, Medicare A, B, or and then having these supplement gap policies versus the Advantage plans. And I think you've done a, a great job. It also reminds us that there's so much that goes into this that spending time with a group like yours really does move the needle and what their expenses could be, and and not just planning on being able to pay for that, and, and knowing, no surprise, you know, minimizing surprises. Yeah. There might be some surprises, but minimizing the surprises. So talk a little bit about how how your group, how they can contact you, and and um, how you guys, how you guys get compensated. Sure. So uh, easiest to just um, visit us at our website mpgroup.org. Um, Many people know us by our former name, recent name change due to a new Medicare law. We used to be Medicare Portal. Um, so we are MP Group. Uh, did I just say dot com? <laughs> yeah. No, you don't have to. It's We're fine. We're mpgroup.org. <laughs> yeah. So I need to probably say that again. Gotcha. No problem. Um, yeah, so the best way to find us is at our website, mpgroup.org. Um, some people know us as Medicare Portal. We made a recent name change due to a Medicare law, and um, now we are MP Group, mpgroup.org. Um, we don't charge any fees to our clients, so we work as independent Medicare insurance agents, and the plans that our clients select, um, we receive commissions from those um, plans, and those insurance companies um, for many parts of Medicare have a set uh, commission amount that's established by Medicare. So. The incentive isn't to say, oh, enroll in this plan. It's to say, what's going to work for you? And that makes it so easy to do what we do. So people that work with us um, don't pay anything more for their Medicare insurance than they would if they worked um, online and just enrolled online on a website or called a call center. And we feel like we add certainly a lot more um, education and explanation and then, you know, future future (laughs) health along the way. So... Yeah. It would be time well spent, yeah, reaching out to to be able to have a conversation with someone who can dive into your personal medical um, position and, and especially on the drug side, I think, is, is just huge. Um, so we really value your your group and what you do for our clients. 
Thank you yeah. so much. Well, Emily, thank you again. Hopefully you enjoyed this. I know this is more conversational, but I just wanted to remind clients that there are also two presentations on our YouTube page where you did a great job of walking through additional slides that talk about more of the details of this. So hope you enjoyed uh, you know, the podcast today and thank you again. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Great. And as always, we just ask listeners, if you have any family or friends that you think would find value from this, please pass this along to them. And you can always reach out to MP Group, uh, specifically if you're looking at Medicare and if you're looking from the planning side on on that side, we'll be happy to help uh, work with you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Live Greater View. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and recommend our podcast to family and friends. To learn more about VLP Financial Advisors, please check out our website at vlpfa.com. Thanks again. And now for our necessary disclosures. Securities and advisor services offered through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, a broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will be successful. The views stated in this podcast are not necessarily the opinion of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned. Due to the volatility with the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Past performance does not guarantee future results.